Welcome into Tennessee Talk. I am Noah McKay. Going at it alone today. My man Chase is having an exciting week. He's graduating on Saturday from Tennessee Tech. Really happy for my my guy, my friend. But he is, as you guys can understand, very busy this week. So it is just me today. You guys get to listen to my lovely voice talk about the Titans Preds and Vols. But first off, follow us on Twitter at TN Talk Pod. Like us on Facebook, Tennessee Talk. Give us that five star rating and subscribe on iTunes. If you're listening to us through I Know and 1069 Kicks Country or on SoundCloud, we love all of you. Let's get right into it. And I call this Tennessee Talk, but I should probably just call it the Derrick Henry Fan Club. Because uh, on Thursday Night Football, the Titans absolutely get it done with on the backs of what I believe is the best individual performance from any Titan in franchise history. The Titans beat the Jaguars 30-9, and Derrick Henry, he is the story, as he wrenched for 238 yards on 17 carries. Oh, and he added four touchdown rushes. Okay, so it is no secret that on this show, Chase and I have not been the biggest fans of Derrick Henry. And if you remember, we haven't been fans of Derrick Henry because we say he doesn't run like he's 6'3 and 250 pounds. On Thursday night, he finally ran like he was 6'3 and 250 pounds. So that does not make, in my opinion, the criticism that we had of Derrick Henry invalid. It validates it because we saw what he can do when he can run, when he runs like his size is, when his legs don't turn into jello when he hits the line of scrimmage. He goes for a 99-yard touchdown and one of the best touchdowns I've ever seen. We're going to talk more about Derrick Henry, but let's go through the game. First of all, Titans come out on offense, march right down the field. It's a good balance of Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. Deion Lewis gets it down, a couple big screen passes, gets down into the red zone. Derrick Henry finishes it off, two, t- two rushes, punches it into the end zone, and you're thinking that's what you want to see out of the offense. You're playing the Jags. you got to be able to run the ball. It's a physical game. The Jags are coming to beat you, so you put the ball in the end zone on the first drive. You put him, Cody Kessler to back on his heels a little bit. Perfect. Get a three and out, and then, you know, Tragedy strikes a little bit with Marcus Mariota throwing what I think was a really, really bad interception. And it's once a game with Marcus Mariota where you, you, you just don't understand what he's thinking. I mean, he rolls out to his left. He has Tajay Sharp wide open. Now he throws it kind of – it's awkward because he's throwing it against the way he's moving with his right arm. But he just sails the ball right over Tajay's head. It's a total duck. Easy interception for Jacksonville. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is – this is ridiculous. So there's that throw. And then right before that, I had, I got it out of order. But Cameron Batson, with one of the worst punt returns I've ever seen in my life, uh, the, the Jags punt it. Cameron Batson gets it. Looks like he has the ball. Goes right through his hands. Bounces back into the end zone. He runs back, picks it up in the end zone. And then instead of just diving forward to get out of the end zone, he tries to dance and make 12 defenders miss in the end zone. Gets tackled in the end zone for a sack, and you're thinking, here we go again. Yeah, and it was just utterly ridiculous. How I don't, I, I didn't want Adore Jackson to be returning punts anymore because I didn't think he had it. But obviously, I did not think that Cameron Batson would be the guy who's back there, and he clearly couldn't do it. So never again with Cameron Batson, and he should be thanking with Sean Evans because on that ensuing drive, they go down 99 yards. It looks like they're about to punch the ball into the end zone, and Rashawn Evans comes up with a huge, huge stop on fourth and one to keep. The Titans in the lead at seven to two instead of seven to nine, and I think that game could have been very different if the Jaguars get that momentum by punching it in the end zone. Instead, Rashawn Evans makes a huge stop on Fournette on the one yard line, says you're not entering the end zone. Very next play, 
is arguably the best run in the history of football. As Derrick Henry slices through the hole, shoves off the entire county of Duval, and stiff arms everybody on in route to a 99-yard touchdown rush. The second 99-yard touchdown rush in the history of the NFL belongs to Derrick Henry, who finally ran like he's 6'3", 250 pounds, gets into the end zone, and from there it's history. And at that point, I think, yes, Derrick Henry had an amazing night, and it's very hard, but I don't think you can watch that game and say that the Jaguars didn't quit. From that point on, they wanted no part of Derrick Henry. They were jumping out. I, 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 he was untouched on the rest of his big runs because they just they, they weren't giving effort. I think the Jaguars showed the true character of those players on their team and that they're not real gamers. They, they are when it goes well, and when it's not, they just they, they throw in the towel and they don't care and they blame everybody else but themselves. Uh, and I think that's the exact opposite of what you want in the team. It's something that a lot of us saw before the season, and it's why we said Jacksonville wasn't going to be as good this year when you know people like Tony Romo get up and say, oh, it's going to be the Packers versus the Jaguars in the Super Bowl. No, it's not. Blake Bortles was their quarterback. You've seen how that turned out. And now they've given up. And, and no better example of that is Jalen Ramsey flopping like a two-year-old when Taylor Lewan barely touches him. And... I think Taylor Lewan playing the violin metaphorically after that happened was just a great representation. I mean, nobody cares. Just cry a river. <laughs> the Jaguars just want attention. And then the, the last drive of the game when Derrick Henry is about to score his fifth touchdown of the game, they finally get a stop on two of his runs, not four, because he was kind enough to let Deion Lewis try to get a touchdown, which I would have never done. But props to Derrick Henry for, I guess, being unselfish. But if I'm in that position, I would like my fifth touchdown pass. Anyway, they stop them, and they're celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. Well, congratulations. Your Super Bowl is you're now eliminated from playoff contention, Jacksonville. Uh, your season is over, period. And the Titans live to fight another day. So, Derrick Henry, great. Taewon Taylor, second straight week. This is, this is a developing story. Second straight week where Taewon Taylor is the leading receiver on the Titans. Albeit, it was six receptions for 59 yards. It wasn't a big passing day, obviously. He has really, since he's come back from this injury, he's really come into his own. And that's something that has to happen if the Titans are going to try to make the playoffs and then try to make a run through the playoffs. You have to have a second receiving threat. If Taewon Taylor can finally be that guy, that would be extremely helpful to this football team. Because if not, teams are just going to double Corey Davis. And you're going to have a nightmare trying to throw the ball. So, the question in everyone's mind, is this Derrick Henry... Is is he the guy now? Uh, the answer for me is an absolute unequivocal no. And I know that's surprising to some of you, probably. But Derrick Henry running one big game against a team that has given up does not convince me that our criticisms of him have been wrong. I think Derrick Henry has the potential to do that. But I don't know if Derrick Henry is that kind of player. And I'll tell you, looking back to something I talked about a little bit before, he said that he wanted to come out of the game to let Deion Lewis score. And on the surface, that looks really, you know, oh, he's a great teammate. But I wonder, it's a similar thing that I've wondered with Marcus Mariota. Does Derrick Henry had that, you know, that dog in him, that fight in him, that, like, this is my team, I'm putting this on my back. Because a lot of players, I think, when they get into that zone, if they have that mentality, they're going to go in and get their fifth touchdown. I can't imagine many are going to put their hand up to be taken out of the game. I, I, and so, yeah, it's cool that he let Deion Lewis have it, but and he's a good guy, but I don't know if he has that gamer mentality. And it's, it's kind of like Marcus. It comes out in the fourth quarter, but where is it through the first through third quarters? So I need to see way more 
as Derrick Henry before I'm on the Derrick Henry bandwagon. Like, I need to see another 100-yard game this weekend against the Giants. At least that. And then maybe I'll start believing that this season, maybe he's putting it together. But I also don't trust Matt LaFleur to put him in situations that are put him in a place to succeed. Honestly, because it, would it surprise anybody if Deion Lewis comes out and now touches Derrick Henry 2-1 to one on Sunday? No, wouldn't surprise me at all. Because they don't have a defined culture with this team or a defined identity that we're going to ground and pound or even that we're going to air it out. It's just kind of all over the place. So I don't put any stock into Derrick Henry for multiple reasons. The coaching scheme, the offensive coordinator, and just Derrick Henry himself. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, and I could be. I mean, he definitely could put it together. But I just don't have the confidence to say right now, yes, Derrick Henry, I'm on that bandwagon. Also, I think it's lost in the fact that it was a 30-9 win with a dominant effort against a team that gave up. Marcus Mariota didn't play well on on Thursday night, and I'm a little concerned because if you look at Marcus Mariota, he was listed on the injury report on Monday, last Monday, before the Jags game, with a right-hand injury. Sound familiar, anybody? You know, it was an elbow injury, but he couldn't feel anything in his right hand. He comes out on Thursday, and he doesn't have the, the glove on that he was wearing all season, but he has this elaborate tape going all the way down his arm and down his fingers. That was a big red flag to me. And then if you look at the throws, he was making throws that were kind of wobbly. They weren't tight spirals out of his hand. That interception was definitely not a tight spiral out of his hand. So, and, and then you look at his stat line, he went 18-24. I mean, nothing wrong with that. 162 yards. Okay, 18 receptions, 162 yards. That's not exactly what you want. You expect to see, you know, over 200 yards if you have 18 recept- 18 completions and an interception. No touchdowns, but Derrick Henry finished every drive, so I'm not concerned about the touchdowns. But Marcus Mariota is going to have to really step up these next three weeks because the Titans are in a win-or-go-home place now. They, they have to win or go home. And lastly, focusing on last week before we look ahead to this Giants game, which we will do, uh, the Titans got a lot of help on Sunday in their playoff positioning. The teams that you needed to lose lost with one big exception – so Baltimore goes to Kansas City, loses. So now Baltimore loses one more game. We don't have to worry about Baltimore anymore. Pittsburgh, which I think is possibly more likely than Baltimore. Not enough people are talking about this. Pittsburgh goes to Oakland and loses to the Raiders because football doesn't make sense anymore. So it, it, we talked about playoff scenarios. If Pittsburgh loses one more, the Titans don't have to worry about that. And then Pittsburgh and and Baltimore can just fight over that division all they want to. And we won't have to worry at all about what's going on there. The Titans will, don't have to concern themselves. Beyond that, Denver. They lose Emmanuel Sanders and they get gashed by George Kittle in San Francisco and lose to the 49ers. Don't have to worry about Denver anymore. Thanks for coming. Next. Indianapolis played the, play the Texans. And I saw a lot of this discussion and I don't understand how people don't get that Indianapolis beating Houston was a good thing. The bottom line for the Titans is they're not making the playoffs because of the tiebreaker scenario unless they win every game. Week 17 is against the Colts. The Titans and the Colts have the same record right now, meaning if they beat the Colts week 17, they will have a better record than the Colts. They would be in over the Colts. Meanwhile, if the Texans had lost three out of the last four games, the Titans went out. The Titans will win the AFC South. So the Colts beating the Texans was a very good thing, albeit it is unlikely. But this week, the Texans play Philadelphia. It's not unheard of that the Texans could lose that game against the Eagles. Then it becomes more difficult as they have the Jets, who they'll probably beat. 
and then the Jaguars week 17. So your hope, if you're a Titans fan, any hope at the division probably runs through Jacksonville. And you hope that they play spoiler in a similar way that they did to the Titans in 2016. When everything was going right for the Titans, they looked like they were cruising to the division title. And then all of a sudden, you take an L at Jacksonville and your quarterback gets hurt. If the Jacksonville Jaguars can somehow knock off the Texans and the Titans went out, you're looking at suddenly hosting a playoff game. So, the one bad thing that happened, uh, the South Beach poison of Tom Brady continues. And the Dolphins beat... The Patriots on a miracle last-second play. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's an unbelievable play. For some reason, Bill Belichick had Gronk playing safety on a hook and ladder. But Miami plays Minnesota this week. Uh, You hope that Miami pulls on Miami and Minnesota gets back on track and beats them. And then you wouldn't have to worry about Miami anymore. If New England can beat the Steelers or Minnesota beats Miami, and Minnesota beats Miami this weekend. The Titans will be in control of their own destiny again, which is what you want to see. If the Titans can control their own destiny, that is ideal. You beat the Giants, you beat the Redskins, and you beat the Colts, and you make the playoffs. Do I trust this Titans team to do that? Not really. But you know what? Anything can happen. Moving forward, the Titans have the New York Giants in a game that I think a month ago a lot of us were really confident in, and now... We are much less confident in. As the Giants have won four in a row, they are five and eight. They won against Washington 40 to 16 this weekend, and Odell Beckham Jr. did not play. That offense has absolutely gotten it together, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a surefire win for the Titans. And in fact, if you look at the line, the Giants are favored in this game by two and a half points. Would I have done that if I was a Vegas odds maker? Nope, but I'm biased. So you know what? The Giants are favored by two and a half points. And obviously, priority number one for the Titans is stopping Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is the truth. He has a hundred of uh, one thousand one hundred and twenty-four yards and nine touchdowns. The dude is a monster. He's a stud. He was worth every bit of the pick they gave him. Now you could argue that it was the wrong pick simply because the Giants need a quarterback very badly, but. Saquon is already one of the best running backs in the league. Some people argue he's the best running back in the league, and he's only a rookie. Uh, and Eli Manning quietly has put it together. If you look at his stats next to Marcus Mariota's stats, they're significantly better. He has 18 touchdowns to Mariota's 7. I mean, to Mariota's 11, which is 7 more. And he has more than 1,000 more passing yards. So if you're sleeping on the Giants, you're wrong. The Giants can 100% beat the Titans on Sunday, and if that happens, the Titans season's over. Football power index of... ESPN gives the Giants a 58% chance to win. Uh, the Tides are not in the Titans' favor in this game. They have to play like they did against the Jaguars. They have to come out and hit the Giants in the mouth. And they absolutely cannot have a letdown in this game like they've had consistently throughout the season. The time to be like, oh, okay, we can move on from this game if you come out and lay an egg like you did against Buffalo, that time's done this year. You have to win. You put yourself in a position where you have to win this game and every game. So... There's no excuses for Mike Vrabel and company. They have to come out and have a good performance. And and if they show up the way they're capable of, the Titans are better than the Giants. They just are. But they have to show up. So with that, I'll give my prediction for this game. I think the Titans... I'm, I'm not confident. I'm never confident in the Titans at this point because how could you be? But I will say the Titans get the win 20 to 13 
It's not a dominant showing by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's one that has us on the edge of the seat. But I think ultimately that extra stakes that the Titans know that they have to win and the Giants know that they need an absolute miracle to make the playoffs pushes it over the edge for the Titans. And the Titans get it done and keep it alive to move on to Washington on Saturday with a chance to advance to the playoffs or at least advance to playing the Colts to get into the playoffs. So moving on from being a part of the Derrick Henry fan club, let's move to the Admiral Schofield fan club. We talked about it briefly over the past couple of weeks. The Tennessee Vols finally had their matchup against the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the number one ranked Gonzaga team. And the Vols, for the first time in a very long time, it seemed like, get it done and beat Gonzaga, which I don't know if I was expecting it, but I'll take it. The Vols win 76 to 73, and it's 100% the to the credit of Admiral Schofield because once again in a big game, Grant Williams fouls out after a ticky-tack foul. And if the Vols are going to win a national championship or have a run to the Final Four, the Elite Eight, or any sort of deep run in the tournament, Grant Williams has to stop fouling out of big games. If Grant Williams fouls out of big games consistently like he has – it's going to be nearly impossible because what Admiral Schofield did was unbelievable, but it's not sustainable. Now, Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams were straight up bullying Gonzaga. So them together can definitely beat any big team, I think. But, you know, he's got to stop fouling out. There's no other way of putting it. So looking at the stat line, Admiral goes for 30 points. It's just a career high. He doesn't shoot a free throw, so he just gets 30 points outright. 12 of 22 from the field goal range. And... Tennessee trailed by nine in the second half, and Admiral Schofield absolutely put this team on the back, hitting clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot, and he was talking all along the way. He was having none of Gonzaga smack talk. He willed that team to that win, and now you wake up, you blink, and Tennessee's ranked the number three team in the country right now, which is unbelievable. It's a testament to Rick Barnes and the job he's did because this is a very similar roster to the team that was picked to finish last in the ACC last year. And now all of a sudden, they are the third-ranked team in the country, and they are 100% capable of winning a national championship. They're in the discussion. They should win the SEC. Now, the SEC is pretty tough this year. You have teams like LSU who's coming up, but then you have you know Auburn. You have Kentucky. You have Mississippi State. It's going to be hard to win the SEC this year, but Tennessee is in a position to do it. They're clearly the best team in the SEC right now. They have one loss, and it came to now the number one-ranked team in the country, Kansas. Hopefully, they'll be able to get them back in the tournament. Or not, you know, if they could have an easier road, I'll take that too. But if the tournament started right now, the Tennessee Volunteers would be a number one seed in this tournament, which I think is amazing. It, it, it really is when you think about where this team has come from, where they are now. And, and a line that really stuck out for me is from ESPN when they said they talked to Admiral Schofield and he said that, that when they lost to Kansas, Rick Barnes said it was a learning experience. And they've had a lot of learning experiences with close losses over big teams over the last two years. And he said it's time, we've, it's time to win. They've had enough learning experiences. It's time to win. And for me, this kind of felt like a statement win for the Vols that, hey, we're not just something to be taken lightly. We are a legitimate contender this year to make some real noise in the tournament. And what Admiral Schofield did was just put his name firmly on all the maps of all the NBA scouts. He's going to be talked about come draft time. And Grant Williams, obviously, is the reigning SEC player of the year. He's leading the SEC in points per game. This team is stacked all over the place. Uh, one thing I didn't like out of the Vols, Kyle Alexander, who has gotten a lot better, but he does not show consistent effort. 
and and that's scary for me because I watch him on the floor sometimes, and he's the one guy on the team who doesn't chase rebounds, who doesn't just. I mean, and the rest of these players dive all over the floor for him, and I'm, I always look up, and Kyle Alexander's just kind of like he's turning and watching the ball go over his head, and they land. And they land, and he's just, oh, yeah, okay, they got it. Let's go back on defense. If he can start to put together a consistent effort, he could be a force to be reckoned with, just like this entire team is. An unbelievable performance by the Vols, specifically Admiral Schofield. Just ridiculous. Uh, Grant Williams was very good when the time he was in. He was doing his job. Gonzaga had no answer for him on the paint. And his fourth foul was a bad call. He blocked the he straight up blocked the shot, and the refs called a, a, a foul because they're not used to watching big boys play basketball, I guess. And then the very next possession, he commits a clear foul on a drive on a fast break late in the game, and it fouls out. So that's got to get under control. More effort out of certain players like Cal Alexander, and if Admiral Schofield could play like that, they're going to be very hard to beat. So now, moving on, final thing, Nashville Predators. Whew. Is are the Preds in trouble? I mean, uh, who knows, right? Uh, they haven't been winning a lot lately. If you haven't been paying attention, uh, you may be surprised. They're no longer first in the NHL anymore, people. They are 19-10-1, and, and it's not looking good right now. But the great news is it's because of injuries. It's not because of anything on the floor. So, yes, while it sucks when your team is losing game after game after game, it's comforting in a way to know your players are coming back. At least now, Kyle Turris was seen in a non-contact jersey at practice. So we'll take that. Still no update on P.K. Subban, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson. But getting Kyle Turris back would be huge for this team. And now they're returning home for three games where, I'm just going to be frank, if the Preds want any chance of winning the Central this year, I think they may need to sweep this homestand. They at least need to win two out of three. They, they, because, yes, injuries are a very valid excuse. No doubt about that. They have to win games. You can't just say, okay, we're hurt and you can't win. Like, no, you got to win. And in hockey, you can win with injuries. They, they showed it when the injuries first came, but they've kind of lost that high energy level that they had. They're at home tonight against Ottawa. Um, and, and Ottawa's a team you, you just got to beat. There's, there's no way around it. They're not awful, but they're not good. They're 13, 14, and 4. They're below 500. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. So even with all your injuries, you have to you got to start winning hockey games. You at least start, got to start getting points. I mean, it, the Preds, it would be a lot more, you know, okay if they were just getting games in overtime than, hey, you lose in overtime. But these regulation losses are starting to pile up, and, and it's bad. You just got to you know, string a couple wins together now if you're the Predators. Easier said than done, I understand that, but you got to start playing better. And with that, you know, usually we have a talk about something else, but I'm going at it alone, and quite frankly, I couldn't think of anything. So there you go. Once again, follow us on Twitter at TNTalkPod. Like us on Facebook, Tennessee Talk. Give us five stars. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Chase will be back next week. Once again, if you listen to us through INO and 106.9 Kicks Country, SoundCloud, we love all of you. Thank you so much. Congratulations to my man Chase as he is getting that degree. I know he's been working at it for a long time. I'll be following behind him in May. But Saturday is his day. If you're hearing this, and you be sure to send him a message on Twitter, on Facebook, anywhere, congratulating him. He's worked hard for this. And we will be back next week in full force. Y'all have a great week.